0: This is Connected Nation, a podcast focused on all things broadband, from closing the digital divide to improving your internet speeds. We talk technology topics that impact all of us, our families, and our communities. On today's podcast, we talk with two members of the Texas Governor's Broadband Development Council, which recently released a report on the state of broadband connectivity across the Lone Star State. We discuss what the council learned, the recommendations it made to the governor, and and how the lessons from Texas could help other areas across the country tackle the need for better internet access in rural communities. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Connected Nation. I'm Jessica Denson. Today we're talking with Jennifer Harris, who is the State Program Director for Connected Nation Texas, and Bill Sproul, who is the President and CEO of the Richardson Chamber of Commerce in North Texas. Both sit on Governor Greg Abbott's Broadband Development Council, which recently released its report examining the state of high-speed internet connectivity in unserved areas across Texas. I should add that Bill is serving as the Council's Chair. Welcome to you both. Hello. Hi. Thank you. We're happy to have you today with us. I'd like to discuss what the Council found, but let's start at the beginning and share a little bit how the Broadband um, Development Council was formed. Jennifer, maybe let's begin with you with uh, what Connected Nation Texas role is doing and what's your role with the council and how it was come together.
1: Definitely. So I, I am our state program director for Texas here at Connected Nation. And so we do a lot of broadband work in the state of Texas, including broadband mapping direct engagement with communities and helping them really discover what is going on in their communities and helping them develop technology action plans and then we also just serve as a general resource and advocate for broadband in the state of Texas and that's where my role on the governor's council you know really really gets to shine a little bit is that I get to serve on that council and just be an advocate for all things broadband and try to be an advocate for all stakeholders across the state of Texas and looking toward getting us better connected.
0: And uh, Bill, as I mentioned, you lead the Richardson Chamber of Commerce, but you also have a long history related to technology and economic development, serving in a myriad of roles that intersect there. Is is—is that really what brought you to the council? Um, your passion for that that intersection between technology and economy?
2: You know, I got uh, tapped on the shoulder, uh, <laughs> actually, Um <laughs> And I have this affliction. It's hard for me to say no, uh, particularly when it comes to a passion around technology and economic development. Um, I should mention that Richardson uh, is a uh, Dallas uh, suburb that's affectionately known as the telecom corridor. And so, you know, we're all about uh, technology and connectivity. Uh, you know, Richardson had the largest concentration of telecom companies anywhere in the world at one time. And so I, I think, you know, the powers that be just thought, well, heck, you know, we ought to get somebody who's passionate about this, who's got some history in telecom and technology, and see if you'll uh, serve. And I, I agreed to serve, and then they called me up a few weeks later and said, "Well, why don't you chair, you chair the council?" I thought, <laughs> "Wow, you know, just a more more stuff to add during a pandemic." But I said yes, and I'm glad I did.
0: And uh, let's just uh, step back for just a moment. Uh, you said that there's a big telecom corridor there. Explain what the what the how. How important is it that you are connected and have good broadband in that area to keep those businesses around?
2: Well, I mean, it's absolutely vital, uh, not just for, you know, businesses that are technology enabled. uh, But, you know, this was uh, the production center for a lot of the Internet. And it it goes back uh, to a company by the name of Collins Radio that started here in 1957, uh, you know, building uh, microwave and other communications equipment for Companies like MCI and the military and Texas Instruments, which built chips, you know, that powered uh, the digital revolution. Uh, But the breakup of uh, the Bell System uh, really accelerated that, with um, both MCI and uh, the former, you know, Southwestern Bell putting large engineering centers here, and that meant that all the world's uh, equipment manufacturers uh, beat a path to our doorstep. So. Um, you know, venerable names like uh, Ericsson, um, Nokia, Samsung, Siemens, uh, the former Nortel out of Canada, um, Fujitsu out of Japan, um, all have you know North American headquarters and major operations here, and it, it 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 kind of you know the cluster built on itself. So as you kind of begat more you know equipment manufacturers and and providers, you got better connectivity which caused a lot of, you know, um, internet intensive using companies to locate it here. So we actually have about a third of all the data center capacity uh, in the North Texas region located here in Richardson.
0: And so uh, I've heard from other um, especially economic development type uh, uh, executives that to not have that access is detrimental to their their efforts and to keeping people around to keeping businesses around specifically or to attract new businesses. It sounds like you have a huge history with technology in that area. Can you explain um, to the, to the average person why it's so important that people that are in your position have um, some say, or at least some uh, influence on developing connectivity and ensuring that the, the community is connected.
2: Because it fundamentally affects people's livelihoods. Um, I mean, think if you're in the gig economy and, you know, you're operating during the pandemic, you need good Internet access in order to provide the services and produce income. Um, if you're, you know, a, a company like uh, State Farm that has 8,000 employees uh, here in Richardson and you suddenly have to send them all home, but you have to continue working, you need great Internet service to kind of maintain that workforce, maintain your your business model. And, you know, for so many entrepreneurs, you know, who rely upon uh, Internet service and broadband connectivity uh, to enhance their business models, uh, it's just really a vital component. And so those areas that have uh, really great connectivity have an implicit advantage over those that don't. Uh, Just think of the old uh, paradigm of, you know, land, labor, and capital being the driving forces of of, of location. um, Well, now it's maybe connectivity, labor, and capital.
0: And you mentioned the uh, pandemic. So let's get to this report that just recently came out. The Texas Governor's Broadband Development Council released a report on the state of broadband connectivity in Texas. And uh, Jennifer, I'm going to hand things to you for just a moment. How did the council? approach this report? What would you want people to understand about it? How it was developed? It was obviously done in the middle of the pandemic that Bill just mentioned that all of us are feeling the pains from. So explain a little bit about how the council uh, approached this as a group and uh, what you were looking to achieve from it. So we obviously
1: met virtually. So we took advantage of being a broadband council and used broadband to meet virtually over the course of the past, I think our first meeting was in May up until the end of October when we were finalizing the report. We were able to meet as an entire group about once a month, virtually, you know, open to the public to come in and view. We had experts come and join us from the Pew Charitable Trusts um, to professors at universities in Texas and universities in Kentucky. Um, we were able to learn from providers their perspectives on challenges of connecting Texans and you know what what they the great things that they have done and and things that that could be done a little bit better to help them connect more folks. And so through listening to all, all of that commentary and then working in our subcommittees, Chairman Sproul divided us into subcommittees to focus on each of the the four main categories of of work. Um, that was outlined in statute by the legislature for us to work on. And so each of our subcommittees met and really talked about, you know, the work at hand that we were to do. And then we came together as an entire council to form that report and just really provide an overall view of, of where broadband is in Texas, Um, you know, where that physical connectivity is, what, what it looks like in areas that don't have it. Um, Some of the main barriers cost um, obviously is a big one that Texas is just a big state. It's a lot of miles. So that's a lot of miles of fiber and other infrastructure. And so we looked at all of those things and were able to compile a report that I think we're all really proud of that really highlights, you know, where we stand as far as connectivity um, and broadband in the state of Texas and with some ideas of how we can work toward getting more connected in the future with a handful of recommendations.
0: Let's explore some of the numbers from the report and some of those recommendations. Um, I just want to share with our audience some stats just to help them have a little understanding. The the council cited that more than 300,000 households in Texas are unserved, which means they have no access to Internet as of July 2020, so mid part of this year. An estimated 926,859 Texans do not have broadband access at home. Uh, Bill, why do those numbers matter? Why is it so important to connect Texans in their own homes? You you touched on this a little bit, but maybe expand a little more about what you found through your conversations and what you've experienced um, just in your role.
2: Well, I think the most painful part of the digital divide that got laid bare because of the pandemic was uh, the fact that those households... And those children that don't have broadband internet access at home uh, were suddenly cut off from their school systems uh, when the lockdown occurred. And there really wasn't a good solution to continue their, their learning uh, when that occurred in March. Um, so, you know, that in and of itself would be sufficient. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, though, you know, increasingly people's livelihoods are dependent upon a connected in a digital age And, you know, of those 900,000 plus, uh, you know, people and those 300,000 plus households, 85% are in rural areas, 15% are in, uh, you know, suburban or urban areas. And so particularly, you know, for a lot of the rural economy, um, it's a real handicap in terms of staying competitive that they don't have uh, high-speed internet access
0: Jennifer, you mentioned some of the um, other findings in the report. Are there any things, other things that we should highlight about the state or the big picture of uh, broadband in Texas?
1: Well, I, I think if we could talk a little bit about the recommendations, that that's probably the the key to the report leading into the legislative session. Is that the council recommends? You know that we have a state broadband plan. Um, Texas is one of only six states that does not have a state broadband plan. So we are not coordinating at the state level and really looking at this problem in the way that most of the other states, you know, are doing and have been doing some for over 10 years. So it would be, you know, probably prudent for us to to get on board with having some sort of state broadband plan to really serve as that coordinating document to develop solutions and identify challenges through that planning process and then have that set of priorities and goals. And then even mo- more importantly, you know, once once we decide on some policy solutions through that planning process, you know, having a measuring stick with that report so that we can go back and see if what we're doing is actually working. I think that's the key to a really strong state broadband plan is, you know, having having something to measure against. We know that providers have spent billions and billions and billions of dollars connecting Texans, but we've not really ever tracked that in a way to see that if we'd coordinated just a bit more, how many more people we could have gotten connected. One of the other recommendations that the council made was to have a state broadband office that would function um, along the same, same lines and just a coordinating role. Once again, someone to be there and really look at everything that we're doing and make sure that we're taking advantage of obviously, you know, Dollars that that aren't infinite, and seeing how we can use them better because we're we're coordinating projects and we're really looking at what's going on in different regions of the state, and knowing that we're re- going to require different solutions all across the state. But but how do we coordinate those projects together?
0: So uh, did the council really find that that was part of the problem that there wasn't um, cross communication? So. The right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing, and um, different organizations were probably tackling it in different ways instead of together all at once.
2: So there were actually some good examples that were brought to light about that. Um, One in particular that, you know, I heard repeatedly where, uh, you know, money was made available from the state to leverage uh, federal uh, E-rate money to, you know, extend broadband connectivity to school districts. And a number of them took advantage of that. And they built fiber on top of perfectly uh, good existing fiber and didn't coordinate with, you know, the county in terms of emergency management or the city in terms of law enforcement or the economic development groups or, uh, you know, the hospital system in terms of telehealth. And it was just a really a missed opportunity. And um, so, you know, one of the principles that, you know, we certainly learned from the, the Pew Charitable Trust when they surveyed all 50 state broadband, you know, uh, efforts um, is this, you know, notion of collaboration. And it's just really key if we're going to have successful implementation statewide um, and particularly if any state funds are used, uh, that we have collaboration as a key principle amongst all the stakeholders.
0: Uh, I kind of want to, I want to pose both these questions to both of you and give you each a chance to, to answer them. What are some things that can be implemented right away for Texas and what are some lessons learned, um, in your process so far that other groups could possibly implement in their areas as well, especially when it comes to rural, which, um, for obvious reasons, because of miles involved or lack of infrastructure, sometimes struggle a little more with the connectivity issue. Um, Jennifer, do you want to start and then we'll hand it to Bill?
1: Sure. I'd say one, one thing that, you know, Connected Nation Texas is already doing is collecting data. That's something that can start at any time and has started um, through, through our, our organization, through the funding of the Texas Rural Funders. But having that data on where broadband physically is, and more important, where, where it physically isn't available is crucial to any decision we wanna make in the future. It's really understanding what is there and and knowing that we have confidence in that data. So that's work that's already ongoing and can be be done immediately. Planning projects can start as well. Um, Connected Nation Texas is working with multiple rural, rural communities across the state right now to do a deeper dive into what's going on in those communities as far as connectivity and work with them to identify their goals and priorities for those communities, and then use the data we gather to match that up with those goals and priorities to create local community technology action plans to work toward getting those communities more connected. So all of those things are ongoing and can be implemented today or tomorrow or next week.
2: I would add that um, you know Texas received a significant chunk of uh, CARES Act money um, some $200 million of that uh, is used in uh, an effort under our Texas Education Agency called Operation Connectivity. And, and the goal of that is to put, uh, you know, a hotspot and an Internet uh, capable or accessible device, maybe a Chromebook or something else, in, in every um, K-12 household that doesn't have uh, that kind of access currently by uh, the end of the school year. Um, so that process is underway, Uh, It's not a perfect solution, uh, but it is, you know, a a solution that was available to the state now given the CARES Act money. And then to dovetail on what uh, Jennifer just said uh, about, you know, particularly, you know, uh, consulting with rural areas, we have a a, a very strong economic development tool here in Texas uh, that allows communities to levy um, a sales tax to fund economic development projects uh, in, in Texas and you know those communities that have those funds can certainly be thinking about how they can you know build out uh, the appropriate technology infrastructure uh, to get you know their unserved areas connected into um, uh, the internet uh, today
0: that that sounds like a unique program I've not heard of that before I've really enjoyed talking to you both but I want to give you an opportunity to to add any final thoughts, uh, words of wisdom you'd like to share, any takeaways that you thought we'd touch on that we didn't?
2: I'll say a a couple of things real quick. Uh, One is that uh, our uh, work was focused on unserved areas, meaning those that don't have the FCC um, uh, definition of of broadband at 25 uh, down and three up. Uh, The reality is, is that we need to be you know a building for uh, you know a much larger pipe you know maybe a hundred down and ten up, and and that's why that plan uh, becomes uh, so important. Second is uh, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some years. The authorizing legislation that created the council had a ten year horizon, um, and it was passed. Um, the legislation was passed last year. Maybe it was prescient that you know before the pandemic that they did that. The last thing I'll just say is that you know what we haven't talked about. Um, and what we were not, uh, you know, really authorized to look at was uh, the underserved areas of Texas, um, particularly those urban areas where there's access, but there's not affordability. And, and we know that that is a huge problem for a lot of households uh, that, you know, do have access to broadband, but just can't afford the plans. The carriers are trying to do things to help with that. Communities and school districts are trying to do things to help with that. But it's a big issue.
0: Yes, um, two terms often used in our space are unserved and underserved. Just for the audience's um, uh, knowledge, unserved means no access to infrastructure or uh, broadband, and underserved means they may have it but they can't afford it, like you mentioned, or they may not have the devices or the understanding of it. So, um, those that's a very good. Those are very good points, Bill. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Any final thoughts before I let you guys go?
1: Yes, to to Bill's point, we do, we really do have you know multiple problems going on with broadband connectivity in the state of Texas right now. And as he said, you know our council was tasked at looking at those unserved areas. But um, just asking someone whether they have internet at home or not does not necessarily mean that they're unserved. Um, they could have physical connectivity there, and there might be another barrier such as cost or digital literacy or something else going on preventing them from subscribing. Texas actually ranks 35th um, out of all states and territories as far as subscribing to broadband in the home. We have over 30% of Texas homes that don't subscribe based on 2019 numbers. I imagine those might look a little bit different on <laughs> 2020 numbers once we get those next year, but we have an overwhelming you know, number of Texas households that just aren't subscribing to broadband. And that's why we've seen so many difficulties with education and telehealth and all the other things that that you know, are made possible by broadband, we need to understand that we've got you know multiple problems as far as that connectivity. And so really digging in and not just making assumptions about why a community or why a household is not connected is really important. So then when we do make public policy and we do put dollars toward solving this challenge, that we're putting those dollars in the correct place, you know, toward the correct problem.
0: Well, that echoes what Bill had said, that this is, this is not going to happen overnight. It's a long-term process. And I, I would love to revisit this again with you guys moving forward as new decisions are made and new uh, policy is decided upon and um, new data comes out. So thank you very much. I appreciate you both for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank my guests today. They are Jennifer Harris, who is the State Program Director of Connected Nation Texas, and Bill Sproul, who is the President and CEO of the Richardson Chamber of Commerce in North Texas. Both serve on the Governor's Broadband Development Council for Texas, which recently released a report on the state of broadband connectivity. I'll include a link to the full report in the description of this podcast. I'm Jessica Denson. Thanks for listening to Connected Nation. If you like our show and want to know more about us or have a podcast idea, head to connectednation.org or look for the latest episodes of Connected Nation on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Pandora, or Spotify.